0: Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by SUCUP Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. Thanks for joining us today on Impactability. Good to have you with us. One of the most important parts of your organization, your mission, especially your fundraising efforts, is your story. Now, say for instance, you operate a food pantry. So what's your story? Well, we feed the hungry. And that would be true, but is that how you tell your story? Do you feed the hungry or do you provide nutritious meals for those who might otherwise go hungry tonight? See what I did there? I said the same thing, but in the second example, I told the story by painting a picture with words. The old saying goes, a picture is worth a thousand words, but if all you have is words, those thousand can have an amazing impact on your organization. So, how do you tell your story? Does your story evoke emotion? Does it make your donors know that they are supporting an amazing cause? Do your words invite new donors to be part of your journey? I mean, who's in charge of this, and is it always consistent? There's so many things that go into your story, and that's why we've got an awesome storyteller with us today. Panangara is Principal and Creative Director at Barcada Circle, which is a Chicago-based studio whose mission is to improve the human condition by perfecting the storytelling process. And I just love that. Now, Pon has served as nonprofit SIG director for the American Marketing Association, marketing SIG chair for the association forum, and program chair for the Chicago area chapter of the Grant Professionals Association. He has a BS in engineering management, BFA industrial design, and BFA communication design from the University of Illinois at Chicago, which of course, is where we find him, the beautiful Windy City. Pon, it is great to have you as our guest today on Impactability.
1: Hi, Joe. It's great to be with you today, and thanks for this opportunity.
0: It's our pleasure. Thank you. Now, when we talked to you and I earlier, I was so grateful to find you and have you talk to our audience about storytelling because I'm a writer, so it's kind of in my blood, and it sometimes boils down to how well we communicate our story to the public especially when we're trying to spread the word about our mission and when we're raising our funds. Don't you agree? Absolutely, Joe.
1: Stories have been with us for thousands of years, since the beginning of written history. And people have relied on storytelling to make sure generations that come after can remember their heritage. Mm -hmm. In the same way, nonprofits can rely
0: on stories to make themselves memorable to the public. If we're trying to write our story, What are some of the questions we need to be asking ourselves? So Joe,
1: as an organization with a mission, there are three most important questions to ask. Number one, who am I telling the story to? Is it someone who has never heard about my nonprofit? Is it a group of parents whose kids belong to the school I'm doing work for? Are they leaders of corporations looking to give back to the community? So these are specific questions that ask about who am I telling the story to? Secondly, Why should the story matter to this audience? Does the mission align with their values and aspirations? Does the mission directly affect any aspect of their lives or the lives of the people that they care about? And the third is, what do I want them to do after they hear my story? Do I want them to donate to the cause? Am I seeking volunteers for my fundraising event? Will this potentially send us maybe good candidates for our board of directors? See, Joe, we get better results from our communication efforts if we have specific goals and objectives behind our storytelling.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm thinking if I'm a nonprofit listening right now, we know our story. Easy enough. But sometimes it's kind of hard to put into words that will be compelling enough to break through. Give us some advice. How can we break through? I love your question. How how do you break through? It's always
1: good to start from something that's simple and familiar, but specific. Mm -hmm. When we immerse ourselves in a book, you know, we stay up for more than half the night reading chapter after chapter. What keeps us from putting it down? What keeps us from sleeping, you know, and putting our, our head to the pillow? The answer to that, most of the time, we all agree on ends up being that the author's skillful and creative use of words transport us to the world of the characters in the book these words they describe in very specific detail specific terms what the characters are seeing what they're you know what they're hearing what they're feeling what they're tasting and in, even what they're smelling so as the reader our sensory response to these words engages our imagination it helps us to experience what the people in the stories are experiencing also and it triggers our emotions. That's the key word. It triggers our emotions, which makes a story even more compelling.
0: And it also helps build relationships too, correct? Absolutely.
1: Definitely. It helps build relationships. So I'm going to get a little bit on the scientific uh, uh, side of, of storytelling. So the human brain is naturally wired to receive stories and to sh- and also share stories. And this has been proven time and again by scientific studies. And that means that when we listen to someone tell a story, we cannot help but share our own. And this leads to a conversation that helps us to find common ground based on shared experiences, which then in turn helps people to get to know each other a little bit better. And the more we share, the better we understand each other. So no matter how different we are or how, how no matter how, how different we thought we were in the beginning all that gets erased or at least all that becomes secondary because now we have common ground.
0: What you're saying I think is it's it's that natural human quality to want to also storytell while a story is being told. Exactly. So what happens is that
1: stories when we listen to them, when we hear them, it taps into our own storytelling bank and and the natural response is to share that. Um so you know, it's it's so it, it it's already Natural in the way we say things, we 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 uh, talk to people. So why not
0: leverage that? It's so it's so simple, but so powerful at the same time. We're talking to Panangara about storytelling and how storytelling will definitely, and I'm not going to say may, but will definitely help your nonprofit as we dig deeper into this. So again, Pan, thank you for being with us. Now, how do we incorporate? video into our storytelling because at the beginning I said the old saying a picture is worth a thousand words, but a thousand words without pictures can be mighty as well. So now if I incorporate video as a lot of people are doing, especially in social media today, I can tell a story without one word, can't I? Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, as you know, Joe's video
1: is the most popular, maybe one of the most popular, if not the most popular media format today especially in social media. Um, video is a versatile medium and it can be easily shared and it can contain layers of content, including words on the screen, live action, uh, music, motion, other effects. You know, we're, we're at the heels of the Oscar Awards. And of course, you know, as you know, storytelling in Hollywood, uh, that's that's big. You know, we, it's it's basically a professional community of storytellers and there's so much we can learn from that. Now, knowing what we can do with video, and the more that we can appeal to the senses of the viewer, and so the greater the impression that we can make, and the story comes alive, you know, it's more compelling, and it stays longer in their consciousness to be memorable, because of all the sounds and the words, and of course, the visuals that uh, that, have, that have reached their, 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 their brain and their consciousness, that have tapped into their own experiences. Now, I do caution people by saying that like any other communication tool, video should be just that, a tool. We must keep in mind that our message must always be based on the three pillars of storytelling that I had you know, mentioned in earlier part of the program. Who is the audience? Why should they care? And what is the call to action? Now, if the video doesn't provide the answer to any of these questions, then the video
0: really doesn't serve its true purpose. And we want everyone to write those three questions down, don't we? (laughs) Yes, we do. Very important. I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit because I'm thinking about, again, applying this to nonprofits. And if we have our story straight, we have a good story, that story's telling has to start I mean, from the top down, everyone's got to be on the same page, correct?
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So as an organization with a mission, good storytelling has to be supported, or better yet, initiated by the leadership. The leadership sets the tone. So these are the managers, the uh, people in the C-suite, you know, the, the executive director, all of that. They set the tone for how the staff works with a shared consciousness of their mission through the stories that they share internally. So let's start with that, internally. They have to be sharing those stories as well. Now they also set the tone, the leadership also sets the tone for how the nonprofit does outreach and communicates the mission to the public. Now as nonprofits, we, we all rely on our communities for support and to spread our message. And so our leaders have that sacred responsibility to be stewards of that
0: message. How can the power of story affect organizational development?
1: Yeah, so um, so so now we're looking at the bigger picture, right? So for right. nonprofits who are actively practicing storytelling to be part of their culture, let's start with that. Sharing stories can be an effective catalyst for improving different aspects of the organization. So let me just um, illustrate that for. more specifically. So I already mentioned how storytelling helps people to find common ground and to understand each other better. Now this can translate to better working relationships, especially between the, the leaders and their staff, very critical. Additionally, when shared on a regular basis, stories can also help people in an organization see patterns in how things are working or not working they can start to see gaps in services maybe, or gaps in the operation that needs to be addressed that they otherwise would not see or detect or realize from just the day-to-day operations. So therefore, I have to argue that organizational stories can be an essential source for developing and improving multiple aspects of a nonprofit on so many levels
0: i'll tell you pon No kidding. Out of all the podcasts I've been doing, that was the best question and answer that I've done yet. I tell you, that was really, I mean, you were so dead on with that. I mean, it's just, it's scary, but you're absolutely right. And I want everyone listening, I want you to back up the podcast a few minutes and and re-listen to that because I think you just, you totally nailed it. Very, very well said. We're speaking with Panangara about the power of story and the difference that it can make for your nonprofit. We're going to pause for a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about how you can develop a litmus test for your storytelling. How is your story doing? How is your storytelling right now? Are there some key words that can elevate your story? How do we get our perfectly crafted story out to the masses? That's going to be the bonus question. (laughs) You're listening to Impactability, the nonprofit leaders podcast. I'm Joe Turner. We'll be right back. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to get the work at your nonprofit done. Sukup Strategic Solutions can help. We handle all kinds of projects, especially the ones you can't seem to get to fundraising, marketing, grant writing, communications, and more. With Sukup Strategic Solutions, you'll have a team of nonprofit professionals working for you. You'll have more hands on deck, reduce overhead, and increase efficiency. For a free consultation on how we can help lighten the load at your nonprofit, visit SukupStrategicSolutions.com. Maximize your impact with Sukup Strategic Solutions. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner, and coming up in just a few, another edition of The Coach's Corner. Stay tuned for that. Right now, we're speaking with our guest, Pan Ngara about the art of storytelling and the difference it can make for your organization. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned your academic career, and and before we go any further, Pan, and I really, really like you, I've, I've grown to like you in just the couple times we've met. How does a guy with a BA in engineering management become a storyteller?
1: Joe, that's a long story. I don't think we have enough time for that. But anyway, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best to tell a, a story that's short and sweet. What's your story? That's my story. So, um, no, it's interesting because when people learn that about me, that I have this engineering management thing, you know, that, that's tied to, you know, my credentials. So they, they do wonder the same thing. Now. Engineering management helped me to develop an analytical mind to be able to apply, you know, the essential principles of good problem solving. So let's start with that. It's all about problem solving. Now, through my work with nonprofits in the past, I don't know, 17 years now, if I'm doing the math right, I have realized that people who work in nonprofits do problem solving several times a day, every day. Somehow engineers in their own right as well. but they deal with people, not machines, but people. There's always a story to every problem, and the best way to understand a problem is to lay it out in a story. Talking about you know the structure of writing a story that your teacher probably had taught you in English lit. it includes just to give you a, just to give our audience just a quick review of uh, of writing. It includes the beginning, the middle, Conflict or a challenge. There's the climax, and then it ends with a resolution. Now, the problem that we are trying to solve in a professional, uh, you know, settings day in and day out is the actual challenge that we need to overcome in the story. Just like what we see in the movies or in TV, right? So, using stories to help people understand the problem better and to understand their role in solving the problem made me realize how important it is to help nonprofit leaders leverage the power of story to fulfill their mission.
0: What kind of, I don't know, fact-finding do you do in order to to get a feel for their mission and write the story correctly for them? What what are the secrets?
1: So, Joe, it's important to know, um, you know, let's start with the essentials, um, you know, starting with the history of the nonprofit. Uh, who founded the organization and why? Why did they start the nonprofit? What was the need or the gap that they saw in the community that had to be addressed? And, um, you know, to whom does this mission matter the most? So those are the, you know, three questions that I always start with. It's also important to find out what their short-term and their long-term objectives are so that if you put that next to the story, it can also somehow speak to the um, how we can convey hope and a vision for the future. So there's also a timeline that we also need to address to this so that in doing this work, this is what we can achieve and hope to achieve in a certain amount of time. So it's a great way to clue people in for building relationships that they can have with your nonprofit for the long term. Once again, we need to establish the three main pillars of the story, the intended audience, why they should care, and what they can do. So I, I keep going back to those three pillars, so.
0: <laughs> the three pillars are saying it all, so that, that's fine. <laughs> Let's suppose that a nonprofit that's listening realizes that they need to do some work. They, maybe they don't have a good story to tell. Maybe it's, you know, for them, it's just ask letters and appeals, and they need to know that it's a lot more than that, isn't it? That's right, Joe.
1: Uh, You know, since we have to start with who our audience is, and for most nonprofits, their audience is most likely made up of people who can be grouped or segmented uh, according to a variety of demographics. You know, they're, they're not just one type of person. You know, they're a variety of people from different backgrounds, different cultures. So the nonprofit will need to determine the most compelling message for each audience segment. So we're getting into the really specifics here. It can also involve uh, figuring out who should tell the story uh, or you know, whose voice will resonate with that particular audience. Hopefully, it's someone who the audience already trusts or cares about or maybe someone who appropriately represents the group of people who matter to them. Because representation is very important. All of this means that it's necessary for the story to be told from multiple perspectives based on who is telling the story and for whom and what message is
0: being told. And let's be honest with each other. Consistency is key.
1: Absolutely. Consistency, all that has to point back to not just the mission, but also this cohesive message that is multifaceted, but still
0: cohesive there are some nonprofits listening, probably they're thinking, okay, we're not doing a great job with our storytelling. So where do they start? I mean, what, what should they work on first?
1: I suggest reach out to the people who need to hear their story, have a conversation with them, ask them what matters to them and what do they value and why do they care about certain causes and how they support that mission? How, some of them already donate to certain uh, causes. And why? Why do they support that mission? Really get to know them. And so with this knowledge and understanding, you know the right message will more easily present itself to us as a nonprofit. And the great bonus to that is that you've already started to build a relationship with, the, with them because you've started to have a conversation with them. And that
0: is golden. So what you're saying is they in essence, are gonna give you the story. Exactly,
1: without even them knowing it because they're you know asking questions. That, that's another important thing to also keep in mind is that building relationships starts with being curious about the person in front of you, asking them questions. And most of the time, those questions, especially if they're open-ended, will lead to them telling
0: their story. So I guess one of the questions would be, why are you, I mean, do you ask them, why do you why are you interested in our mission? I mean, do you go there?
1: Yes. Why are you interested in our mission? And what do you hope to be involved in? What kind of role do you see in supporting this mission? And are there other things that we can help you with to make your experience in being part of this mission be more meaningful and be fulfilling?
0: Donors don't write checks just for the heck of it. They write it because they believe in you. So in turn, they really, that passion for you should actually give you a little bit of your own story. Exactly. Is there a question that I haven't asked you, Pon, that you'd like to share with our audience? Joe, I don't have a question, although I would like to say that storytelling is a process
1: and it is a practice. You get better at it the more times that you do it and you get the full benefits of this practice if you incorporate it into your day-to-day as an organization. I suggest to, to all our listeners to make it an integral part of your communication process with the goal to make it part of your culture. It will make a difference, a big difference in the long term. Now, Joe, as you know, I live in Chicago and with so many wonderful restaurants located in my city, it's hard not to be a foodie so so I'm going to use a food metaphor that relates to the way I see stories. Think of storytelling as your secret sauce, not just a side dish. And if you can marinate your organization in your secret sauce of stories packed with meaningful flavor and spices, the human experience for everyone involved in your mission will be something that they'll want to have again and again.
0: And it's so funny that you went there because when we first met, we were talking about Sayat Nova on East Ohio Street in the Magnificent Mile, one of my favorite Armenian restaurants on the planet.
1: (laughs) So right there, we've got common ground. We've got a shared experience. All right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One final question, Pond, since you're from Chicago, you Cubs fan or a White Sox fan?
1: Well, let's see. depends if my brother is sitting next to me because he is a White Sox fan. He's a South Sider and I'm a North Sider. So go Cubs.
0: <laughs> Pon, this has been great. Thank you so much for shining a light on the importance of storytelling, the difference that it can make for nonprofits and their messaging. I really appreciate your expertise today on Impactability. Thank you so much.
1: Joe, I had such a great time. Thank you so much.
0: Time now for another edition of Coaches Corner, where we take your questions and we ask our impact coaches for their answers. And the questions can be about anything. Maybe you just need another piece of advice. Maybe you've got a differing opinion in the office. You want to share it with us. Whatever that might be, send us your questions. Impact Coaches. At impactability.net. We got a great question today. Our impact coach is Cheryl Sukup, the president of Sukup Strategic Solutions. Cheryl, great question. Here it goes. We want to apply for a government grant and want to make sure we're ready. We've created a project budget and are working on a purchasing plan. When using government grants, do we have to use approved vendors or can we purchase from anyone? Seems simple enough, but I know, Cheryl, there's a lot of little layers underneath this that you're gonna uncover for us right now in Coach's Corner. You have five minutes to answer the question. Cheryl, your five minutes begins right now. Thank you, Joe.
2: Okay, this is a great question. I'm going to start out by talking about financial policies and procedures in general. It's a really great idea to have financial policies and procedures in writing that govern your purchasing practices, regardless of whether or not you are going to be using government funds. It's just a good practice to justify every purchase that might be questioned later or considered significant in your organization. And so what's a significant purchase in one organization versus another might be different. So you want to think about where your risk lies, and then your board of directors should select a threshold that they're comfortable with. And anything over that threshold should require additional scrutiny for the purchase and documentation, really. The other thing is is really thinking about real or perceived conflict of interest. How do you prevent real or perceived conflict of interest in your purchasing? One way of justifying an expense and making sure that you are uh, using the most cost-effective solution for your purchasing is to get three bids. And you may want to do a request for proposals. You want to make sure that you're doing an apples-to-apples comparison. So a request for proposals for a larger purchase, especially one that is more complicated, might give you an opportunity to specify exactly what you want to see in that proposal. So I want to talk a little bit about federal funding and what is required. So uh, the methods of procurement from the Code of Federal Regulations uh, specify how procurement or purchasing must be done when using government funds, when using federal funds. And so there are a few things to know that are really, really important. There are informal procurement methods and formal procurement methods. Informal covers micro-purchases and small purchases. Micro-purchases would be typically considered anything under $10,000, although there are some exceptions. So that's where you might wanna go and read that Code of Federal Regulations to make sure that if you're doing a micro-purchase and you're wanting an easier way of handling the purchasing decision-making, you want to make sure that you the way that you're purchasing qualifies. Then there's the small purchase. A small purchase is under a, any kind of purchase that's under the simplified acquisition threshold, which is currently $250,000. So under 10,000, it's a micro-purchase. Above 10,000 and under 250,000, you have informal procurement methods that you can use for a small purchase. Once you hit that threshold of $250,000 you have a you have formal procurement methods, and what they're looking for is a fair and open process, you must publicize the opportunity, you can do this by um, just posting a public notice in, in the local newspaper or your online edition of the local newspaper these days. In some cases you can use a less formal process of receiving proposals instead of sealed bids, if sealed bids are not appropriate for some reason. When evaluating bids, you want to select the lowest responsive bidder, as well as the lowest responsible bidder. And that means selecting the bidder who has complied with all of the bid requirements that you have put out, uh, typically through your request for proposals. and. They have not made any changes to the specifications to give themselves some kind of competitive advantage, Uh, a lower price, for instance, because they are offering a different product than what you've specified. And also, it means a bidder who has complied with all of the requests for information, including their financial capabilities, their past experience, their history working, Uh, With government funding and a variety of other factors that you may have placed in your request for proposals. So the lowest responsive and lowest, lowest responsible bidder would be sometimes not the lowest bidder. You know, you might get a price that is lower than others, but you can disqualify because they don't have the required experience or they didn't submit all the required documents. So if you're going to be spending a large amount of money, whether it's donors money or it's the government's money, it's really important to be very, very cautious and careful um, in the process of purchasing so that you're selecting the best possible services for the dollars that your donors or a grantor has provided for you to do so. One more thing, if you're receiving funding from a local or a state grant, their rules may be different than the federal rules. They may even be more restrictive. So if your federal funding is coming through a local government or state government, then you have to check both the federal requirements as well as the local or state requirements. That can be kind of confusing. The best thing to do is to read all the requirements Compare those to what your regular practices are. Make sure that your practices are documented in writing and everything that you do, make sure that you document it. So if anyone ever asks or questions in any way, the purchasing decisions that you've made, you have all the documentation to
0: back it up. Excellent advice, Cheryl. We appreciate it every time you're on Coach's Corner. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you, Joe.
0: If you've got a question for Coaches Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's Impact Coaches at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show and your favorite podcast app. And that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening. And thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.